All right, GFC Act Protection 210.8. Revisions are, may, are many and include clarifications, expansion to existing rules, and a few new items. Yeah. Okay, as, as Brian was pointing out, do what you did there. Okay. What I've said, whenever I get into something that is like, oh, wow, okay, take your hat, put it around behind you there, and just get ready. You're like, you're going to sit there. Remember that, that, that advertising, I think, what speaker it was, that the guy was sitting there on the chair? Maxwell cassette tape. And then they were just blowing oh, that yeah. thing inside there. Is that what it was? And the guy sitting inside there and it's like, just get ready here. GFCIs are just overwhelming and it's, it's gotten more crazy. And, and this has to be, this, we need to have a video clip on this one. This has to be one of the video clips we have to get out to the industry because this is overwhelming. You ready for this? Okay. Number one, the very first thing we'll do is we're going to talk about when there's measurements specified in 210.8 like, oh, six feet or whatever case may be. We have to figure out how do we make these measurements? And the code says for the application of 210.887, 9B5, B12, those are the rules that talk about, hey, six feet away. The distance is measured as the shortest path the supply cord will follow without piercing a floor, wall, ceiling, fixed barrier, or passing through a window. So here's just an example where, not that you plug it in necessarily, but I mean, I did. So in other words, if you plug in a six-foot cord into the outlet, if you can clearly see that that sink is within six feet, right? So it's, it's a matter of how would the cord follow? And that's how, whenever we get into measurements, so that's how it, not, not, not all measurements in the code follow this logic. Actually, they just added something in the uh, cord, another code section back in some other rule that they did, do, oh, light fixtures and light swimming fixture. pools, that you do the same rule, like, but it's a light fixture, I can't plug it into. So that's another story. We can talk about that later on when we get to 680. So that's how we measure. Let's now go over to the rules. No change here. And by the way, in the previous one, there were some changes there, but it was just language, editorial things, shortest path, the supply cord. Dave. There was a big change because of the fact that they removed the door and doorway, which <laughs> led to a lot of confusion. You're saying in this particular one, how you measured it, it used to say what? Um, measured. For the purpose of this section, well, of this section, when determining the distance. Oh, without from, piercing a, a door, what it would have before. Without, door uh, passing door through way. a door, doorway, or window. And a lot of people were thinking that it would apply to a cabinet door. And that really wasn't the intent of panel two. And they've clarified that up in this cycle. But they've also created some more issues. Let's say you got a bathroom. you got a receptacle on the bathroom door. Well, around the hall or through the doorway in the hall, you got an outlet. If that outlet is within six feet, that has to be GFI protected now. Okay. So, so let's pay attention to this as we go to these other rules and look at graphics. So the shortest path that will follow without piercing a floor, wall, ceiling, fixed barrier, passing through a window, which means that if I go through a door, I, I would measure through the door. So we could have a receptacle in a, in a laundry room, and there's a receptacle in the hallway, but that receptacle, from whatever we're measuring from, would be within six feet, a sink, that kind of scenario. Okay, let's watch that. Okay, so that was the change. Yeah. Eric. Yeah, the other thing this rule will do is, as before this rule, a lot of disposals didn't have to be on GFCIs. Hold. All we did is determine measurements. Right. Let's wait till we get into the rules. Then let's find out how it applies. So, 
Yes, Vince. Bring your text back up. Can you go back one slide, Brian? Just so everybody's clear. The change here in the, in the positive text in 210.a, door and doorway were removed. That's the, that's the. Right, door the, and doorway were removed. Right. That's the complete change in the 210.8 parent text language. Door and doorway were removed, which creates what Dave and you spoke about. about and I can't show what was removed. So. I actually have it right here if you want to pull it yeah. up. So you can see right here. Uh, this is the text where they actually just took it out right here. That's the 2017. Correct. They just okay. deleted two words. Right. Now let's see what, what the ramifications mm -hmm. of those two words mean. Okay. All right. So we, how we measure it. Okay. Without going through a door doorway. Okay. And then the basic rule didn't change. <laughs> Mike, make sure that we check the text on that graphic against the code. Maybe we have on the lines that don't belong. GFCI protection located in a readily accessible location. Number one. GFCI protection must be provided. Okay, so GFCI protection must be located in a readily accessible location. Maybe let's make a note to revise that text. Okay, so it has to be readily accessible. Now watch, you know what's interesting about this? You know, readily accessible, the GFCI, how many guys remember that knew that? Now that we've had a change in the code required. How many guys just like, okay. But you might be doing what I'm doing. You might be thinking that applies to actually all GFCI receptacles, all GFCI protection devices. I made that mistake last night. It only applies to which GFCI protection devices? The ones that are in 210.8. So we have to make sure as we go through GFCI and 422.5, I don't know, research find out. Does it say it has to be readily accessible? What about when it says GFCI shall be required in uh, agricultural buildings and the GFCI required in and, and eight, two eight, you know what I'm saying? In other words, everywhere else in the code besides chapter two, where you're in chapter four and five and six and set, or four, let's see what, at least in chapter four and the other ones in five and six, does every single time they specify GFCI, do they specifically say every single time it has to be readily accessible? In 422.5, it does say that. But there might be a possibility that there are some other requirements on GFCI. It doesn't say that. Yes, ma'am. So for the purpose of following the manufacturer's instructions, they do have to be readily accessible because you can't do the maintenance, <laughs> you can't do the testing if you aren't, if it's not accessible. That's right. So to you, it's just simply, you don't even have a problem with this, huh? She <laughs> right? read the instructions. I mean, <laughs> she read the instructions. Uh, she's like, well, you read the instructions, that's to be readily accessible. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking, that, oh, but the code didn't say that over there. So therefore you have to, you know, then you don't have to have those. And you're like, we still got 1103B. That's right. So in reality, the code doesn't even have to say they're readily accessible yeah. or shall be readily accessible because 1103B and the manufacturer's installation. I don't know if it even says that in the instructions. You're just making it up. <laughs> it says right on the face of it that you got to test it monthly. So. How are you going to do that? So I'll, I'll just get a crane and I'll pull it out of the way. Perfect. <laughs> Whatever I got to do. You know what? It, it occurred to me as we're doing this, this is even more important to me to make sure we get an example of instructions of a GFCI breaker, GFCI receptacle. All these things that you're saying, well, for you, it's not a big deal. For me, it's a big deal because I don't know about all this stuff here. But this is, if we read all these things, that we, I wouldn't be struggling without those other rules inside here. I was going to say, here's the guy that doesn't read the instructions arguing with the lady that does read the instructions. I'm not arguing. I'm, you saw what he, no, you saw what I did. I went like this. Because <laughs> I can't argue. And like, yeah, I can argue with a woman. That's not going to happen. All right, back to the code. GFCI protection within the scope of 210.8 requires those devices <coughs> to be readily accessible. We good with that? Okay. Now, uh, I'm not going to get into how GFC. Vince, you got something to say? 
I said, you are not good with it. I think everybody else is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my body language picking that up. Is am I coming across that way? Okay, GFCI. I'm not going to spend much time explaining how GFCIs operate, other than a short version, <coughs> and that is electrons leave the source. They're always coming back to the source, and if there's an alternate path, then the electrons are going to take all the available paths. And since you have a CT where conductors coming through, and if the current going through is equal to the current going out. Well, then the magnetic fields of the two fields themselves would be calculated, and it will show that there's no imbalance current, and the GFCI will not trip. But if current is leaving through the, through the CT, part of it is returning through the neutral through the CT, part of it is not, then according to Article 100, a Class A GFCI opens a circuit when the ground fault circuit current has a value of 6 amperes or higher. Is it higher or more or greater? Huh. I think it's probably not higher, and does not open when the ground fault current that we had to get rid of the word to ground. This this graphic needs to be updated. When the ground fault current is less than four milliampers, they remove the word current to ground. So this graphic here is is not the the most current update graphic. So GFCIs operate by checking the imbalance current between the current leaving and the current returning. And when there's an imbalance, then it opens up the electronic device opens up that device. I cover that in greater detail in fundamentals. This is not a time to cover it. All right, let's talk about requirements of dwelling units were expanded. The GSCI protection requirements were expanded to include up to 250 volt receptacles. Holy moly. Oh, this yeah. is dwelling units. Look at the changes. Oh, yeah. Here's what it says. All 125 <clears throat> volt through 250 volt, holy moly. In all the spaces that we know we had GFCI protection that would include 250 volt receptacles. Dave? It also removed the 15 and 20 amp limitation as well. <gasps> yep, 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 yep. I missed that. Holy moly. <laughs> More so. And I knew that, but I mean, I, I, I forgot it just now because I was just thinking. So, Brian, we need to make sure we make it clear in the, in the UNEC also, beside the changes text, in the UNEC part of that, that with an author's comment, and that is that the that the 2020 code requires all. <clears throat> Basically, in a dwelling unit, if a dwelling unit is not three-phase, right? I mean, it's not 277. All receptacles in a dwelling unit in the following locations have to have GFCI protected and it readily accessible. Okay, well, let's go on. Solve the locations 1 through 11 and supply by single-phase circuits 150 volts to ground. Okay, so 120, 240, 120, all those receptacles got to be GFCI. Eric? And this fixes the miswiring of dryers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely going to solve the dryer because oh, yeah. uh, Kenmore, Sears, their instructions specifically specify to bond the neutral to the ground. I, gotta, mm -hmm. I try to get a hold of the Consumer Product Safety Commission. I try to get a hold of everybody. Nobody would pay attention. Guess what? You put a dryer down with a GFCI protection, it looks for neutral ground connection. It's not going to turn on. So they're going to have to make those correct. Yes. All right, here we go. All right, so. You need it in bathrooms and garages and accessory buildings, uh, outdoor receptacles, crawl spaces, basements, uh, kitchens, sinks, boathouses, bathtubs, or shower stalls. We need to change that to tubs or shower stalls. Brian, make a note of that because they made a change and we don't use the word bathtubs. It's, it's actually tubs. Laundry areas. And then we have indoor damp and wet locations. 
I'm just saying there's other parts of the code that they removed the word bathtub. They didn't hear. No, no, that here. Just make a note for us in 2020. So we're going to just make it consistent throughout the code here. All right, so that hasn't changed. So the big change was to remove the ampere rating. The big change, they went up to 250 volts. That's big change. The basements, what are the basements? I think basements used to say unfinished basements. Unfinished portions. <laughs> unfinished portion. Well, then guess what? They get rid of the word. It's just simply basements. Exception. And we're not going to get in the burglar alarm. Shall not be required to have ground for protection. A receptacle supplying only a permanently installed fire alarm or burglar alarm system. Okay, that's not even relevant because you don't put fire alarm systems in, in houses. House. Normally. Since when? Normally you don't. You can. Mm -hmm. Well, fire alarm system. A fire, what do you think a fire alarm system looks like? I know exactly what a fire alarm system looks tell like. Tell me what it looks like. I've installed I didn't ask millions of dollars worth of them. Yeah. Okay, the red box that says fire alarm on the front, and it's a low-voltage system that's monitored, and there's a lot of them installed in residences. It's a fire alarm system? It is a fire it's a alarm. Listed. It's got a red box. Installed according to NFPA It's connected to a phone line, calls mm -hmm. into a central station. Did you see his attitude? Have you seen this attitude? Like, Hey, listen, you said I didn't know what a fire alarm no, was. No, I didn't ask you. I didn't, I said, what is it? I didn't say you don't know. The red know. box? That calls somebody when Do there's people put fire alarm things. systems. Yes, yes, absolutely. Not we're not talking smoke detectors and fire yes. alarm. Fire alarm systems. Yes, especially wood construction homes. Like I said, it's real important that we pay attention to this exception now on number five. <laughs> a receptacle supplying only a permanently installed fire alarm or burglar alarm system shall not be required to have ground fall. Okay, I have an alarm system in my house, not a fire alarm. I got a little box. It's white and has a little battery in there. Is that a, is that well, a and system? they actually have now uh, several different companies. A Demco comes to mind right away, and Honeywell also. But they have fire slash Berg combination panels that are UL listed fire alarm systems. So you can actually get a discount from your insurance company and have everything covered by a single alarm panel. Actually, they've had that for a number of years, but it's become a lot more popular. Well, that receptacle. For that fire alarm. That's the one in alarm. the basement. The That's the okay. one in the basement. That's the one in the basement. Oh, in the basement. basement. I'm trying yeah. to think. What's going on? Yeah. What the heck's the deal? Okay, if you put it in the basement, it doesn't. But if you put it anywhere else in the building. <laughs> well, in Florida, we don't have basements, so we put them in the closets. But okay. everywhere else, we're not going to put ugly stuff in right. our house. And an exception 10 on laundry. In my garage. No, no. This is an exception to 1, 3, 5, and 8, and 10. Okay. Right down here on the bottom here. Listed locking and support mounted receptacles. Oh, you know what this is? This is that receptacle that Dave, you and I are like, you got to be kidding me. That's that one that you put in the ceiling. Oh. And then you put the light fixture on it or the fan on it. The separable attachment fitting. Yeah, the mm -hmm. separable attachment. What's it called? That's what it used to be called. Yeah. So that's a receptacle. Look at this exception. Listed locking support and mounting receptacles. That's what it's called now. Those things that we saw as a receptacle, utilize in combination with a compatible attachment fitting, which would be the fixture of the fan that plugs in, installed for the purpose of serving a ceiling luminary or ceiling fan, shall not be required to be groundful, interrupted, protected. You know, you had to add this exception because it's a receptacle, <clears throat> so you have to make sure that you remove that because you had to have GFCF protection in the laundry. No, that's the exception to all the other places inside there. All right, that's what it is. And then indoor damp and wet locations, wasn't there? Oh. This was in the commercial applications, indoor damp locations. They added the same thing in, in, in residential <coughs> locations. Okay? So now let's go to some of my graphics. Let's see what we got here. All right. 
GFC Act protects required for all for all 125 through 250 volt receptacles located in dwelling unit bathrooms. You got to know what a bathroom is. Article 100, right? And but it doesn't matter the ampere rating, right? Doesn't can matter. we think of something in bathrooms that people have actually done that we can say, oh well, there's something I had thought of? Put a dryer. A dryer. Yep. We stack see that units quite in often. apartments. Yeah, stack units in apartments. Okay, oh, stacking what, a dryer. In that one graphic you just had up there, if you look at the bottom left side there's those bifold doors that could be a washer dryer location mike colbert make this a little bigger and let's put a washer dryer combination like in a closet right here right and yeah. then that receptacle point to that receptacle that has to be gfci protected oh we got to remember this 210.8 applies only to receptacles right not receptacle outlets right dakota talking about receptacles right okay so let's go to the next one. A garage. Man, who knows what kind of receptacles you put in a garage? But it doesn't really matter what you're putting in a garage. All of them are JFCF protected. Welder. Welders. Welder. Oh. 30 amp welder. <laughs> 50 amp welders. How about an RV? Compressor. That's my, that's my, who said RV? I was thinking of the RV, but I'm thinking, oh, the RV's outside. Not in the garage, right? If I put it, because outside receptacles have to be JFCF protected. But you, but five, but five. You, you could have an what RV. Is it, five, what's RVs? Five? What's the article? 551 is the... 551. Okay, so 551 says... Well, we're not going to talk about it, but 551 says... for RV Park. That's yeah. for RV I know, Parks. I know, I know. I'm just saying. But RV Parks, they say, hey, listen, you know, the GFCF protection requirements of 21098 does not apply to RV Parks. We, we don't want you guys... To, because if that were true, then we'd have to have all the RV Parks on GFCF protected receptacles. And the, the reason they didn't do that is because 555 guys are saying, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? You, five, a GFCI operates on 5 milliampers. And you get an RV, you could easily have 5 milliampers of leakage. And we can't have an RV park with all these things inside here. So I'm thinking to myself, if I plug my RV, a 50-amp receptacle into 50-amp two-pole breaker, I'm not quite sure how long... My RV is going to go, and how long it's going to be a problem. Well, and we have a lot of people in our area, and I don't know how this is in different parts of the country, but we, we call them RV barns, but it's actually just a big attached garage. And yeah. people just walk right out of their house. It's attached <laughs> right into this giant garage that has their RV parked in there, and it is plugged in right there. Where's that receptacle at? In the garage. Inside oh, in the of garage. the garage. They got a big giant roll up door. Well, a, they back their RV. That's a perfect right example of a, a garage. Yeah. Got a generator plug, too. Outdoors. What do you mean, generator? A, well, a generator wait, plug. Well, wait till we get the outdoor. Look, right now we're in garages, and you gave me an example of an RV, a welder. I mean, all kinds of receptacles inside there. Vince, let's stay with the garage. Vince, anything with there? Uh, just a clarification. Yeah. 210.8, where we are now, A applies to receptacles, B is going to reply apply to receptacles well, then we're uh, going to get some requirements that are not receptacles they're outlets so 210.8 but right now we're staying on a which is receptacles and i, I might have said 210.8 that was wrong 210.8a applies to receptacles yes. only thank you and then we're going to get the b c and d mm -hmm. okay so now outside receptacles maybe i should show an rv in this picture right here <clears throat> mike maybe we get a picture of an rv definitely a thought and uh right all receptacles outside. So a big 50 amp RV receptacle. What else is outside receptacles? What are they? The generator plug. I don't know what that means. Yeah. The generator receptacle. 
but it's actually a flange. It's a flanged inlet. inlet. It's not a receptacle. <coughs> technically, <coughs> right? It's a flanged inlet. Yeah. Terminology is very important. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, can we think of anything crazy outside that, on a dwelling unit? Like, wow, I can't believe we're going to have to have a, a welder on that. The RV. I guess that's. Okay, that's it. Can't think of anything. Let's go about. Uh, I'm not with snow melting equipment. That's an exception. That's whatever. Crawl spaces. They don't put much more than 15, 20 amperes. But if they put put anything more in a crawl space, it has to be GFCI, right? Yep. Um, basements. Uh, it's just as basements. It's not unfinished portions. It's just basements. Mm -hmm. Can you think of anything crazy, crazy in a basement? Well, like, oh my god. Oh, I'm you can have a washer dryer in a basement. Yes. Range? You can have a range in a basement. I'm thinking about uh, my wife's family uh, out in Nebraska, and their basement is full on. I mean, it's got a laundry, it's got a kitchen, mm -hmm. they've got a whole work area because I guess in their area, they'll, I mean, it gets so much snow, they can't go outside for weeks sometimes. So I can't even imagine, like, every single thing in the whole basement has to be GFI protected now. Hold every on. single thing. I'm thinking of a basement, it's just a basement, okay? It's a basement. Now, I'm thinking, holy mackerel, like you're saying. This is just like a whole other floor, okay? It's a whole floor. This is not a base. You can call it, it it's a basement because it's a but it really is a whole living space. But what's a basement? What do you mean, what's a basement? Is, what's a basement? Is it defined isn't, in isn't, isn't this where the comment that I made earlier oh, when no. we were going through the changes where I said now they're probably going to have to come out with in 2023 a definition for a basement because there wasn't one and they keep using the terminology. Mm -hmm. Can somebody look at a general dictionary and tell me what a basement is? Because I'm wondering <laughs> if something is below level, then all that is a basement. Then the floor of a building which is partly or entirely below ground level. That's not a... General definition. And the building yes. code may have a different definition, definition of that. Well, but pretty see. much, we can agree this. If you've got to take some stairs to get down to it, right? But what about if you have a building that you go into? How does that work it out? Says partially, out? It says partially. It says partially. So a walkout basement still a basement. Daylight basements. Okay, so that means everything below anything below the grade is going to have to be all the, GFCI. The IBC is uh, a story that is mostly below the finished ground level. Okay, we we know what it is now. Pretty yeah. much, it's below the ground level. Anything below the ground level. So that means that the entire basement, all receptacles of all ratings, have to be GFCI protected. Is that right, guys? Mm-hmm. And no matter wash dryer, that's it. Not all ratings. You have the up to 250 volt threshold maximum. I'm talking about dwelling right. units. But the voltage of the dwelling unit is 120, mm -hmm. 240 with 150 mm -hmm. volt to ground, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so all basement, all receptacle. That's a biggie. Okay. Uh, kitchen countertops. All, let's see, is required for all receptacles that serve kitchen countertop surfaces. Okay, no, no, no change there, right? Let's see, what do we have in a kitchen countertop that would be GFCI protected that would not have before? That's pretty, no, there's nothing there, right? No big change, yeah? I, I've had one recently. Oh, boy. What? I, I don't know, Brian added that. What's that? The picture of that GFI. I actually still couldn't get into it. You okay. sent it to a different okay. email address. Oh, sorry. Okay, so tell us about it. It was, I went into this house and I first went to this bathroom. I looked over there and there oh, was a... A 110 volt outlet and a 240 volt outlet. It was a single 240 volt outlet, and then uh, in the kitchen they also had a 240 volt outlet on the countertop as well. What were they doing with that? <laughs> I asked uh, the contractor. I says he said the 
They're not sure about the bathroom, but the kitchen, they're putting in a rice maker. So I'm assuming they're coming from another country. Mm -hmm. Rice makers, and I was actually just thinking, I was actually looking. My wife loves this certain kind of ice from, I forget what restaurant it is. But anyway, they sell little countertop ice makers. Apparently, this is a big thing now. And it was 220 And you plugged it in right on the counter and put water in, and it makes no the ice way. right there on the counter. Really yeah. fast, I bet. I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah, because they got to get it out there really quick. Yep. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Um, okay. Again, this requirement of GSCI only applies to the countertop surface receptacles, right? Or within six feet. I don't want to make it a problem here, but I'm going to ask you a question. Look at that. Does this GSCI protection require for all receptacles that serve countertop surfaces? And are these receptacles that are required? Or Remember how that one thing in a garage, if it's not required by the code and you put something that's not there. No, no. This just simply says all receptacles that's in this area has to be countertop surface so mm -hmm. all right and bathrooms countertop surfaces so in a bathroom wait a second if i have a recept if i have a receptacle in a bathroom yeah but when but but when was the dryer have to be what was the dryer what was the laundry areas and those watching this this is what happens you know you have to Go back and verify exactly what it said. Let me go back to the code rule here. Let's look Bathrooms. at this here. Okay. These receptacles rating, you know, supplied by brand circuits shall be grounded. Okay, so in bathroom. So that means anywhere in a bathroom, right? In the garage, anywhere in the garage, anywhere outside, anywhere across space, anywhere in a basement, anywhere in a kitchen, Six feet within sinks. That's where my, my brain was getting into the sink part. So anywhere in a bathroom, anywhere in a garage, anywhere outside, anywhere in a crawl space, all of them and all of them in basements, but only the ones that are serving the countertop surfaces in a kitchen. Okay, I knew there was something was twisting in there. Only one serving the countertops in a kitchen. And then all of them in bathrooms that we had already covered earlier. Yes. The code language. The code language actually seven is sinks. sinks. It has ah, nothing yes. to do with bathrooms. bathrooms. That's not a bathroom. Yes. Okay, that's it what it says. Sinks where receptacles are installed within six feet from the top inside edge of the bowl of the sink. So if you went right. back to your kitchen graphic. Yes. That range receptacle that's within six feet of that sink is going to have to be GFCI, GFCI protected right there. Okay. So what we need to do on this graphic here, not this graphic here, <coughs> we need to take this graphic here and replace it with this graphic here and show that six-foot radius. Now, I think it's important if you have a hardwired oven or a cooktop, you wouldn't have to have a GFCI protect. We're talking about receptacles. What I'm saying is that we should have something like this here showing on seven. Brian, you follow what I'm saying? Yep. You guys follow what I'm saying? This right here should be seven. And this graphic right the, the, the the background within six foot uh, within the mm -hmm. six foot showing not a bathroom i mean but within six foot of a sink so that's going to overlap the kitchen one 
and that's going to overlap. Yeah, because a kitchen only had selected areas, right? Countertop. Countertop. So the six foot is required because you might have something that's not serving the countertop. You were talking about that well and dryer in the bathrooms, not the six foot. Yeah, and dryer in the bathroom doesn't matter because it's a bathroom. This is the only one that has partial that would get well, wait. There's two rules that cover the kitchen, right? So you could have, going back to your kitchen example and the countertop question, you could have a receptacle not on the countertop in the, in the kitchen, on the wall down lower, still <gasps> within six foot of the sink. That's going to require GFCI protection. So here's what we could do, Mike Corbett. On this graphic here, we could put a refrigerator on the other side of that sink and a range on the, on the one side of the sink. And if those receptacles are within six feet of the sink, mm -hmm. those are non-countertop service receptacles. Those, and that would then be fitting within the 210.8A7 graphic showing those. So you could, if you wanted to, if you're going to use the slide, you can, the receptacle you have on the left wall. You say GFCI protection is not required? Yes. Okay, leave that one there. Add another one up higher. Yes. And, and make that within the six foot and show that that one has to be GFCI. Exactly right. Yeah, so we'll, we'll work with Mike tonight and get this graphic revised. You guys follow the logic there? Okay, so that's great stuff. Okay, so now this one, however, the, okay, you might locate that receptacle well, that's a six-feet rule, A7. We'll talk mm -hmm. about that later. All right. So this one we're going to change. Okay, got it. 8A, all boathouse receptacles of all ratings. Receptacles and boathouses, they're, they're pretty. Can we go back to that one receptacle for the refrigerator <coughs> that's more than six foot away? Yes. <clears throat> now, when, this, when the 2002 code changed, there was a fatality for other than, dwell, or other than dwelling unit kitchens required all receptacles and kitchens to be GFI protected. Wasn't that because of the person came in contact with the skin of the, the freezer? I don't know that case. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. why does the, the location of the outlet make the difference when you can still touch the skin of the refrigerator? To me, it, it should be the appliance that it's plugged into, not the location of where the outlet is. I, I think in 2023, we're just going to say all receptacles in a dwelling unit have to be GFCI protected. Done. In other words, you go back to that laundry list and you get rid of the list and you simply say all receptacles have to be GFCI protected because you're trying to do all these combinations and all these convoluted things and it's confusing everybody. And we're trying to figure, okay, wait a minute now. Oh, wait, oh, oh yeah, that, the other rule applies because it's within six feet, but this is not the countertop. And you're trying to do all this. And, but wait a minute, didn't the guy get killed on the skin? We had nothing to do with the sink at all. I mean, can he right. still touch this and touch that over there? And you know what I mean? You can see how it just gets convoluted. All right, so we got to work with what we got. So now we go over to the boathouses. Anything unique that, well, oh, this is going to affect boathouses. Nothing, right? So the biggest effect is going to be in garages, right? You're going to put receptacles in garages. Anywhere there's a sink. Bathrooms. <coughs> I'm just saying the biggest effect of 210.8 change yep. is going to be basically, Outdoors. you're looking at ranges and dryers, right? That's yep. your big, and then any receptacle that's going to be in a garage, and outside receptacles, you get, you know, RV receptacles and things like that. So there's some pretty big stuff there. All right. And uh, bathtubs or shower stalls. You might have a spot that's not a bathroom. And they have a shower somewhere. Just a quick little shower. Well, then it's not a bathroom because it doesn't meet the definition of a bathroom. So you need to have it. Look, look it within six feet. It doesn't say the opening of the shower either. No. So 
you, you measure from whatever the point's going to be. So that, so we'd have to, if we took a vertical picture that we take a shower and you go six feet, right? You take a vertical picture and take a shower and you go six feet all around it. Any receptacle within six feet of that is going to have to be GFCF protected regardless. It could be a dryer or rangers. It doesn't matter where the opening is. It matters where the stall is at. Exactly. All right. And we go down to, how do we get? We got a laundry room. So hold on. All the receptacles in a laundry room, because there isn't anything about anything, all the laundry requires it. So therefore, that for sure, all laundry wash, washer dryers are all going to be GFCI. Laundry area. We Sorry, don't have laundry, laundry area. area. Exactly right. The laundry area. Washer, dryer, ironing board. It's a lot of stuff that wasn't on GFCI which, previously. Which, which, like Eric said, is going to eliminate the three-cord appliance. Yep. It's going to be all four. Yes. Okay. Now, that's, that's a pretty big one. And then indoor damp and wet locations. Um, my understanding was this came up where uh, Brittany, my daughter, she has three dogs. And downstairs in her little addition, they had a little tiny room. And they, they're going to put a wash thing for dogs. What do, what do you call that? A wash station or where you can give a dog a shower. You know what I'm saying? You know, not a shower, but I mean, you can kind of a wash floor, a little floor drain area. Or something yeah, like a little that. floor drain area like there. And they had little things right here. Well, one could argue that would be an indoor wet location. And I, I don't know how far it is where it becomes you know, damp or wet. I mean, how far does it become damp or wet? And then we got to decide that. But that would be an indoor damp or wet location. I can't think of anything else in a dwelling in it, indoor damp or wet, other than that. But that would require GFCI protection. Did somebody stretch it and say that, well, there's this mudroom when they come in off, off the house and all of a sudden they come in with all the snow and, mm -hmm. I mean, and I could not think of what an, a damp location it's would easy. be. It's easy. I did the research on that. Good. Let's go to Article 100. Somebody read me Article 100 of a damp location. I did the research on this because I couldn't figure it out. And I figured it out you're gonna you're gonna love this. You're gonna love it. Okay, I have a damp location. Uh, it's on, by the way, video streamers. It would be called a location, location comma damp. damp. I'm not mm -hmm. sure exactly because. Whatever. Let's just go there. Okay, go, go ahead. You want the definition? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So the damp location is locations protected from weather and not subject to saturation with water or other liquids, but subject to moderate degrees of moisture. Okay, stop. Now watch this. Subject to moderate degrees of moisture. Somebody find out what is moisture. Because if it's subject to moderate degrees of moisture and you know what moisture is, then you know what a damp location is. You're going to love this one. So if you had a grow room. The key here, no, one second. We got to know. Moisture is. Listen, listen, watch it, listen. It. The key moisture here is moisture. is water or other liquid diffused in a small quantity such as vapor within a solid or condensed on a surface. In other words, if I had a <clears throat> bottle of water and it had condensation on it, you with me? Then that means that it has moisture. And another example would be this, have a boat under an overhang and rain can't hit it, but you can get almost like a vapor of rain. But if you went near my, my boat, you can feel the moisture on the boat, even though it's covered. But in other words, as long as, if you can think of condensation, if it could look like that, droplets of water on something, then that is a damp location because it has moisture on it. Mm -hmm. 
So that's you now. Let's go with your grow room. You're talking about the, the pot grow room. I I don't know. Does it have moisture? Does it condensation land on that? I'm not sure. Okay. So back to what we were talking about. Well, I don't know what the heck we're talking about. What are we talking about? I forgot. Uh, the damp location. What location? <laughs> no. Oh no, you asked the question about what about if it? You asked the question about damp location. <laughs> Would it stretch to go to what was the yeah, thing? How far would in. it? How far out would that expand? The key there is: could you have droplets of water? Can you visualize there's droplets of water on there? Well, if there's droplets of water on there, then it's a damp location because it's it has moisture. The key there: does it have moisture on it? If it does, well, then it's damp. Does that help you at all, Dave? Yep. Thank you. Yeah. 